together with mine in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning where you have gathered us around your word, around your truth. We pray, Lord, that you would remove distractions from our hearts, that you would ease our minds and open our ears to hear your word, that you would work by your spirit this day as you lead us and point us to Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This past weekend we did focus in on a quest for the truth. And so I had a lot of time to think about true things. It was wonderful to see all the kids gathered around and looking at real events of Scripture and truthful things, and then reading through the epistle lesson today with Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It kind of struck me. There's a few true things that we oftentimes don't even really want to pay attention to. Here's the truth you're a sinner. Just letting you know. Me too. I mean, it's something we don't like to look at, though. When we talk about the law, God's expectation for his creation, and it, it stands there in front of us, and we see this big, bright, clear mirror of the way that we don't stand up to it, the way that we don't live up to the expectation God has given of even his baptized children. We're sinners. It's true, and there's nothing we can do necessarily about that, because it's something that is a corrupted part of our nature. It's something that is so indwelt within us that as much as we may try to take out one little piece of it, there's other parts of it that start to poke its head up and it's really hard to look at. I mean, we all have imperfections that we don't like to look at. Whether it's a nose or an ear or hair or body or an attitude or words that we've said to someone or a feeling that we have, all these different things are things that we can visibly see. But then we start looking a little bit deeper and it starts to just get a little darker and we start to hear Paul's words again. Those who follow after their own desires into the impure things, into the broken things, into the things that go against what God would have creation and what God would have his people do. So that truth that we're sinners, that's just the truth we don't like to hear very often or the truth that we don't like to deal with very often. It's a truth that we'd much rather ignore. I mean, it's so much easier to ignore hurtful things than actually face them. Have you ever been in those situations where something's come up in life? It's much easier to Turn your eye away from it and go do something else and pretend like it just never existed. The hard part with our sin is that it exists whether we look at it or not. And as much as we may want to turn our eyes away from it, as much as we want to look at the good things that we do, the way that we do take care of other people, the way that we do treat people well, as much as we want to look at those good and wonderful actions between us and our neighbor tend every now and then to turn a blind eye at the fact that even sin corrupts those good things as God looks down on them. Because his expectation is perfection. And if you try really, really hard, you might just get perfect in one little area. Maybe. Possibly. But it's not all of your life. And God expects perfection everywhere. Through everything that you do, every feeling, every thought, every action, every relationship, every way in which he has given you gifts, he expects a perfect response, not an abuse of anything. And so the truth is, we 
break his commandments right and left. Whether we're even paying attention to it or not. I mean, you said it this morning in the confession. How I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by things I've done and things I've left undone. The things I know about and the things I don't know about. That's a lot. See, Paul says you learned Jesus in a different way. Just as he wrote to the Ephesians, the Ephesians learned in a different way. He said, but if you have learned about Christ in truth, you know that God actually doesn't God has done something. I shouldn't say he doesn't expect you to be perfect. That is the expectation. But God has done something about the fact that you can't be perfect. He's taking care of that. And Paul writes, you know the truth. You know the truth in Jesus. See, because in our sin, we want to turn a blind eye, we want to turn a callous heart, we want to turn away from the things that seem ugly and horrific and horrible within our lives and pretend that they're not there. And Paul lifts up God's Word and says, nope, look, they're right there in front of you. The truth is, you're not as good as you thought you were. He says, it's also the truth that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Loves you more than you ever thought He did. God loves you to the point to where He sent His Son to take on our flesh and die in our place upon a cross to suffer His wrath so that you don't have to. So that in your imperfection, God would see Christ's perfectness as God looks down upon you, not through the lens of your actions or the lens of your sins or the lens of your righteousness, but God looks down upon you through the lens of Christ's righteousness as he looks at you through all that Christ has done on your behalf and then looks at you and he says, beloved child, it's the truth. It's the truth in Jesus. That's the truth that we were looking all through Scripture for over the past couple days to see how God worked through history to point everyone before Jesus to the fact that Jesus was coming and how God continues to work to speak His truth into the ears of all of the people that are around to point them back to Jesus. Because in Jesus, there's truth. In Jesus, there is a truth of not just something that is helpful or moral or a wonderful teacher, but the truth that he has died in your place and taken your sin to the tomb and left it there. And then rises again to show power over death, that he is the Son of God, and then looks at you and he says, I love you. Here's my gift of life. A truth that you will find nowhere else. A love that you will find nowhere else. A peace that you will find nowhere else. I alone am the bread of life that will give you life. It's not going to come from everywhere else. Anywhere else will leave you hungry, wanting, focused in either upon your own abilities or upon something that one day will fail you. But Christ is the bread of life. The one who brings you eternity. The one who brings you salvation. One who has given of himself so that you would have everything, everything necessary to be in the presence of God for all the rest of whatever time looks like. Into eternity. In your baptism, you were baptized into that eternal time frame, that eternal life, that eternity. In that baptism, you were clothed with Christ righteousness. In that baptism, his life and his goodness and his perfectness was accounted for your benefit. 
You've heard it said before, right? You know, the way to kind of get a, wrap our heads around that truth is if you were, uh, I don't know, accused of bank robbery and you were a bank robber or something and you went to the courtroom and all the evidence points to the fact that you did it. And the fingerprints are everywhere, the cameras are rolling, everything points to the fact that it is you. And the judge looks at you and says, innocent. It doesn't take away the fact that you did all the things that you shouldn't have done. It doesn't take away the fact that you abused the gifts that were given. It doesn't take away the fact that maybe you even hurt people in the process. But the law doesn't look at you as accountable for that anymore. Because the judge has said you're forgiven, you're innocent. You can walk away free. That's what it's like as God looks at us and declares us righteous. But we're righteous not simply because of a whim of his or anything else. We're righteous because of the fact, first, and the truth that he loves you. Second, the truth that Jesus actually took your consequences on your behalf. So go back to the courtroom setting once again. Now, somebody walks in and says, Judge, I know that person's guilty, but I'm going to go to jail for them. Someone who had no part in any of the actions, in fact, had done everything right in people's eyes, right? But to stand in your place and take the consequences for you, and then to send you off scot-free. That's the truth of Jesus. He has stood in our place to take on the ugliness and the brokenness of our sin upon himself so that he would then bear the wrath of God while he hung upon the cross. As the day got dark, the sun was blotted out, and Christ calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he's quoting Psalms, Psalm 91 if I remember right, but as he's quoting the Psalms and he's reaching out to God and saying, Father, why have you turned your back on me? Take this away from me. And all the response was, was silent. See, that's what we deserve because of our sin. Yet because of Christ, God doesn't turn his back on us. God doesn't turn his back on you. In fact, he gives you of his Holy Spirit. And he points you back to Jesus once again. And he says, look, yes, Jesus bore your sin upon the cross, but then he rose again and he hands you life. He hands you eternity. And then he sends us out. He says, you have been loved, loved beyond all measure." By the creator of the universe, through the actions of his son, with hearts called and enlightened by his spirit, to point you to Jesus, and then he sends you out. And he says, now, go speak the truth in love with your neighbor. Go let people know what the truth is. Go speak to them, because there is only one truth. As I always like to tell people, the truth is true, whether or not you want to believe it, right? That truth stands, the truth that God has loved you and forgiven you, and that changes you. It changes you because you don't have to worry about who you are before God anymore. Because you carry the righteousness of Christ, not because of anything that you have done, but because of that simple, beautiful, wonderful act of God who has declared you forgiven in Christ and wrapped you with his robes of righteousness and lifts you up into an eternal life now and says, go. Don't worry about being perfect before me. 
Go speak of this truth and love to one another. Go take care of one another. Go live a life to where you are speaking this truth to somebody else as you live life with them and care for them and show them a peace that's found nowhere else as they wonder how you can handle all of the nasty things that come about in life. From hard situations, whether it's financially or emotionally or sickness or death or whatever the case may be, People will look at you as a Christian and say, how? How can you walk through that? And it's pretty truthful to say, on my own, I can't. This is overwhelming. It's overbearing. If I looked solely upon my strength and my resolve and my ability to walk through the things of life, it'd be broken. And we see people broken by that all the time. But thanks be to God for Jesus. Thanks be to God that there is a peace knowing that the Father has loved us. Thanks be to God knowing that there is that one absolute truth, that you are loved and forgiven in Christ, and that He brings you life. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us by your Son, that you have sent Him into the world to take on our broken flesh and to redeem it, to restore it, and to call us righteous. And we look forward to the day that that promise will be fulfilled when Christ comes back and you gather us together as your children. We pray, Lord, that you lead us every day by your Spirit, that you guide us ever and always towards Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as we sing.